So at this point, no, we are accepting the victim mentality. We're taking it upon ourselves to be, oh, we're just poor and helpless and nothing we can do except wait for daddy government to come in and tell these platforms what to do. That's garbage. And when we ex start accepting that, we've already lost the game. You're listening to The Corbett Report. Yeah, for, I'm having like all these issues with Pro Tools. It's like amazing how like you just use a program, completely no problem. And then next thing you know, you start up assuming you're going to have no issues. And literally every, it had an update. Then it wouldn't find like any of my files. And all of a sudden now it's not reading my mixer. I'll figure it out afterwards. But yeah, I'm I've, telling you, dude, they, they're messing with people's stuff, dude. I'm telling you. There were, I did an interview the other day and we were just going big on this Epstein thing. And then just out of nowhere... It just like did a bad connection, bad connection, bad connection on the phone. And I'm like, maybe we said a word. I don't know. But I mean, I think they're panicking because, you know, this election's coming up. And if they go full censorship, it destroys the facade that they need to have everybody think this is uh, a democracy and freedom of speech. So they have to do weird little things like you know, target certain people and just mess with their technology, man. Mess with their phone. I don't know. It just seems kind of weird that I was just having this conversation that boom, all of a sudden it's like bad connection, bad connection. And just when we were talking about certain things, I could be wrong. Well, well, the thing is that, and this kind of goes into what J James's uh, recent short documentary about Silicon Valley, uh, it kind of goes into like, is there something deeper going on? Because I think a lot of times we look at it and we're just like, okay, it's just a business practice. It's all about just making more money like that. That's the root cause. That's the influence of everything. It's like, oh, they're just they're censoring things because of the marketers and it's controversial issues. And it's and it's that simple. And, and I think in some cases that is a huge influence is the fact that like, okay, maybe if you're a marketer, you don't want to add on a, you know, maybe a, a anti-vaccine documentary or podcast or whatever but i think what jane showed was that there's a lot more to the story that there's uh there's links with the cia there's links with all these people and there's much there's something much deeper going on than simply oh we're just trying to make maximum money and that's why we're trying to uh collect all this data and that's why and we're just trying to uh get give you what you want we want to we want to sell you what you want you're looking at cars that we'll, we want to give you the car you want you know there's something deeper than that. Right, James? Uh, I think so. Yeah. And this is just the modern day equivalent of if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to fear, which of course was a spurious illogical argument in the first place. But <laughs> yeah, now sure. we have the modern equivalent of that. Oh, it's just for advertising. Like, what do you care? They're just going to try to show you products that you care about. So it's a good thing, which again is nonsense on its face. But as you say, is, is a lie or at least, uh, no, that's partly true. I mean, there is that aspect to it, but the monetary concern here is not the primary concern. And uh, that's uh, part of the limited hangout that we get on so many different issues. Oh, it's just, uh, just about the money. No, it's about the power. It's about the control. And uh, we would be, I mean, we can only think that because the actual roots of this technology, in this case, Silicon Valley itself, and the actual roots in military intelligence, in the intelligence agencies, has been obscured from the general public's understanding. So they think it is just these companies that came out of nowhere, and now they control 99% of our lives. But, oh, it's only for the money. And, of course, it's not about the money. It's about the power and control. 
And we're just seeing the data's proving all that. You know, I mean, when we see that YouTube's with their new algorithms have lost $80 billion, when we see that Netflix has lost a ton of billion, I mean, like billions of dollars with lost subscribers. And, you know, and just television, is anybody watching it? And yet they keep doing the same thing, which makes you think that it's not about money. And that was all facade before. And it's really about what we in the conspiracy world have always been saying. It's about propaganda and about programming. That's why in television, it's not called scheduling. It's called programming. And it's just like YouTube has lost so much money. Have they changed the way they operated? No. There's no other business that lo would lose up $80 billion and then keep doing it. If it wasn't that they had another objective, and that, that is bigger than the objective before. It's like what I said about Nike and these and uh, Colin Kaepernick and these stupid Susan B. Anthony shoes. It's like Nike makes millions off these shoes, a billion, maybe a billion. But the people at the highest levels that owns Nike, they make their money in gods, gold, oil, drugs, sex trafficking. That's where the real money is. And they'll sacrifice some millions over here at Nike to keep the, the big money makers, you know, cooking with gas. Yeah. Why would Bezos the billionaire, by the Washington Post. It's not because he's expecting to make a lot of money off of that. It's, I mean, uh, owning a newspaper at this point is, is ridiculous, except for getting to own a prestigious news organization that people take seriously. Billionaires are now buying up news because, uh, of course, they want to set an agenda, not because they're there to make money. It's not a business deal. It's about setting the tone, setting the conversation, controlling the discourse. In the exact same way, what is Silicon Valley ultimately about? It isn't about making a few more dollars. That, that certainly is part of it. But no, it's about controlling, increasingly controlling our lives and how we behave on a day-to-day -day basis. Is there anyone in this conversation that doesn't have a fondle slab that controls and dictates what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis to a, a worrying extent. And this is only the beginning of the slippery slope. Can you imagine our children, our children's children, how far down the rabbit hole they'll be going with these technologies controlling every aspect of their lives? And the worst part is that pretty soon it's going to go from technology that we have some control over to technology that we have no control over. Um, and that's represented in things like Alexa and, and other pieces of technology like that. For sure. James, your uh, video, oh, there you are. Um, <laughs> you're caught up. Now it's all fine. Um, and uh, let's take the big, the big three that have been like really uh, infringing on our, our privacy, Facebook, Google, Google, Amazon. Each one of those companies have either a recent history or in their infancy, a connection with the CIA well, uh, through their weird shell companies that they use to, uh, you know, make money and uh, give you seed money. We see that with Facebook. We see that with Google. And then we have Amazon and the Washington Post, which you brought up, which came with a fat contract with the CIA. So we see the connections with these three particular companies companies who have the biggest, you know, we have the biggest problem with how they're selling our data, 
uh, 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 you know, just monitoring us, listening to us when we ask not to, what we have no say. Like I have an Amazon television I just bought because it was a hundred dollars. $100, okay? It's sitting on the floor, but I know even in its dormant stage, it's listening to us. And they gave it to me for a $100. There's a reason they want you to take that TV well, home a, over these other ones. Well, there's a there's a great video, and I've talked about this in the past. It's a, it's a great video called Free is a Lie, and you can see it on YouTube. And have you watched that, James? It's a, a great video. And, and they talk about, like, why is the Nexus phone half the price of the iPhone? Why is... Because it's like, oh, you think you're getting this deal, but what they're doing is you're you're paying more than you're paying for the iPhone, but you're paying with your information. They're you're giving them all this free information. You know, when you use uh, your Gmail account, when you use you know all this stuff that they can sell and mine, and then if you're the CIA, if you're if you're if you're the government, like it's way easier to get this this stuff from from these uh, these private companies than from. Than all this work yourself it's just it just makes more sense like if if, if uh you know google and youtube it uh is already you know consuming all this information and 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 you know um having all this of your personal information why not go to them and get it instead of if you're the nsa you know doing it yourself uh but it it, it is uh it, it's scary because and i think that title of that video free is a lie is really important because we look at all these services like they're free oh it's free it's free it's free and there, there is a price we're paying. We're sacrificing something. We're sacrificing our privacy. We're sacrificing our information. And like James said, the very common argument is always, well, if you have nothing to hide, then why, uh, you know, then what's the big deal or whatnot? But it's like, uh, it's amazing how the internet has almost made us rethink what privacy is because in that freeze a lie video, he talks about, you know, snail mail and like, you know, what if, you know, we told you that, we're, we're going to give, you know, we're going to go to your mailbox and make copies and read every single piece of yeah. mail, mailbox. Yeah. We yeah. look at that like, holy shit, no, that's invading my privacy. Yeah. That's a big deal. But when they do that online, it's completely acceptable and okay. And I think um, they're, they're, it's almost like we've become, we've accepted the fact that this is just the way things are. And, and we look at privacy online completely different than we would look at privacy in the past. Right. And let's just document what we're talking about here, because I always like to document everything. But this isn't even conspiracy theory or conjecture. Uh, Amazon admitted um, back in 2017 that they were selling their uh, Echo Dots at a loss, um, $4.88 below component costs precisely to get it into everyone's home. Um, that's exactly, that is their strategy. And that's, as as you say, that's happening across their product line with their, hey, buy a, buy the smart TV from us and it'll only be $100. Why is that? <laughs> oh, well, you'll find out in 10 years when we just, yeah. when we show you, oh, by the way, we're recording everything you say, see and do. <laughs> When we see uh, these people uh, enraged at cops pulling people over for nothing and the how upset they get about that infringements on their rights. And yet that's exactly what's going on. I mean, you brought it up correctly, man. Well, if, if people if, if authorities went through your house the way they went through your computer, heads would explode. And I would tell you that you have more personal, very unique stuff about you on your computer than you do around your house. You know, I mean, the days of having, you know, a stash porno mag somewhere, those days are done. And that's another thing. Why is Pornhub for free? Why is all this mass, mass 
well-produced, like super edited videos all just given to you for free. Why is that? Oh, well, maybe they can find out what weird stuff you're into and maybe they can lead you into some other weird stuff or can they see like, are you leaving comments on maybe borderline edgy videos that they could kind of track? I'm convinced that's what all that stuff on YouTube's about. When we see those videos, we're like, why is that video up there? That is obviously some very disgusting uncalled for comments. And you see all these comments are like, well, they're just nailing the find following these people, kind of like the Area 51 thing. You know, it's like all these two million people sign up to Storm Area 51. Guess what? They're now following you because you just signed up to storm a government facility. You know, like they're really watching you. And you just touched on an important part of this is that it isn't the physical intrusion into your home. So people don't don't think about it. They don't confront it that way. But there are occasions in which that does happen. And uh, people might have seen that recent report. There was an intercept reporter who went, oh, my God, you know, I just went in. I was doing a story in Mexico and I came back into the States. I'm an American citizen. You know, I should just walk through. But no, they stopped me for special screening. They took out my phone. They went through everything. Uh, And. Uh, and suddenly, you know, all my sources, all the stories I'm working on, I mean, I have no secrets at all. Nothing. Everything is there. And they, they, they're, and I was like, what are my rights here? Oh, I have no rights. They can look through anything they want. Um, and he, he was all surprised by this because unfortunately, this is the type of thing until it physically happens to you in front of your own eyes and you realize what's going on and you can't do anything to do uh, against it, then you don't really think about it. And that's the most insidious part of this because... For a lot of people, they're never going to have that physical intrusion, or at least maybe that's far down the road for them. But as it's happening in the back door, yeah, whatever. Okay, I just signed away all my rights in some user agreement that I didn't even spend two seconds looking at. Ah, whatever. You know, hey, I got a new face app that'll show me what I look like when I'm older. Yay. <laughs> ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And we that was said. Like, I did a face app, but I didn't do it. My friend took a picture of me. I won't put that thing on my phone, you know. But, I mean, we told you when that they were doing that 10-year thing that that was something that they were trying to do. And just people just don't care. They just don't see them. Everything's about what is right now. What well, is this app, right now? That face app, the second you, you upload it, it, it has access to all your pictures, everything on your phone. And just like most apps now, like people don't realize, like, when you, when you agree to these terms and services, like, literally – all these apps have access to everything that's on your phone. And what's our phone used for? Everything. So they literally have access to every piece of your life from like your passwords. You know, like I, I have an app that saves my passwords. I, you know, constantly have to change them. So I keep keep forgetting them. So I have an app where I can keep them there. And, um, you know, you, you, your bank accounts, your, uh, you know, your uh, your emails, your like all this stuff. Is it knows everything you know? about you. And that was the funny part about that recent controversy about that app is that everyone's going, oh, my God, you know, this is some Russian app and they've got access to everything. But then other people were pointing out this is exactly the same as the terms that are in all these other apps. But you don't care about those ones. Why do you care about this one? Oh, it's the Russians. OK, when the yeah, Russians do it, it's bad. Buzzword. When the Americans do it, it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's a buzzword. I highly recommend everybody uh, check out that documentary. Terms and conditions may apply. It's it's a little older, but um, it's a really good documentary. And they go through how like they've even changed the terms and conditions. Like they'll say, "Oh, that was in there," and somebody will archive them. And be like, no, 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 no. You never made me re-agree to it, and you changed the language in it. But because nobody reads it, nobody you you know 
nobody even knows that if, if the language was changed or not. And then they, they really uh, dissect how they specifically make it boring to read, uh, the language kind of difficult to understand, um, you know, long and, and small uh, print, all these little techniques that kind of make you like give up on it and just agree to it, you know, and and uh, and, you know, just re- one of the reasons why I want to do this podcast was because uh, uh, recently I've had a, a few past guests that had been censored on Amazon Prime. I, I had um, uh, The Big Secret, which was a, a great documentary about the history of medicine and, and how uh, big pharma kind of took over medicine. James, you might not know it because your your stuff's all open source, but you're actually in that documentary. There's a clip of you in there. Um, they they use a I think you're a, a part of your Rockefeller medicine uh, a, a video in that documentary. It's a great documentary, and they just got pulled from Amazon Prime. I was at uh, the Red Pill Expo in Hartford like a month ago or whenever it was, and uh, and at the Red Pill Expo. Uh, Del Bigtree, who's been on my podcast, you know, did the Vax documentary. He talked about how they had a contract with Amazon Prime that Vax was supposed to be free on Amazon Prime forever, and they just pulled it. And um, so, you know, and now, like, people listen to my podcast with Del Bigtree, and I'm referring, hey, check out the documentary if you like this interview. Uh, you know, it's on Amazon Prime, free on Amazon Prime, and now it's available. So it's like they're pulling the stuff. You know, I think Brzezinski... Another past guest of mine, Dr. Brzezinski, his documentary uh, about um, uh, his cancer treatment. I mean, what what the thing that drives me crazy and really kind of works me up is the fact that people now don't even have access to the side of the argument. So it's like, OK, even if you you think that, OK, you're pro vaccine, even if you think that, like, OK, you're, you're uh, you know, you think Dr. Brzezinski is pseudoscience, like you can't even do your own research and be like, let me watch this documentary. And then come up to my, my own conclusion, come up, yeah. my, establish my own opinion. You, yeah. Because you can only have a well-informed opinion if you have information, if you're informed. And it's like now, if you control the information, and this is, you know, I'm going to be a reoccurring theme with this podcast. If you control the information, you control people's perspectives, you control people's opinions, you control, you can only have an opinion based on the information you have access to. Now, if you control that information, you know, no, when manufacturing consent was uh, was written, I mean, you could only, you know, this was even really an issue, you know, the internet and the way they can manufacture consent using, you know, what we see and what's suggested and what whatnot. I mean, you think about like YouTube, Google, I mean, they have more power and influence over what's going on in the world than politicians, than laws, than than anything you know uh, in that freeze live video they talk about how you know he showed like some graph and he, he had a mark some graph it's like this is when google knows that you're about i think when you're about to go in a relationship like it knows almost before you do that you're about to go in a relationship you know like they have dissected and i think it's uh like silicon valley's like a higher psychologist and, and, and then that, like anybody else you know just trying to understand how to manipulate people and stuff so it's like it's way darker. It's not just understanding us, but it's controlling us. It's understanding how to control us. It changed the way we look at things and change uh, and, 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 you know, influence our, our decision making. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I mean, one thing I find very interesting is how the, the, the people would rather run to the, the people who've been misinforming them forever, you know, whether it's uh, Facebook, mainstream media over and over again, you know, you kind of brought up with the face app, 
uh, James, is that, you know, people flipped out because it was the Russians, you know, and that's kind of the same thing with RT News. It's like RT News scares so many people because it's Russian Russia tonight, right? And that, that notion is just like, oh, they're the bad people. But I go, I mean, like, dude, who flied you into wars? Who who lied to you about what medication's going on? Who who is like using the military to guard poppy fields in Afghanistan and and flooding your country with drugs? I mean, with opium. I mean, it's like, who is the bad guy? Who is it? Like, I go to people. I listen, dude. And I make no doubts about that. Like oligarchies are oligarchies. I'm not going to sit here and tell you Putin is a wonderful man and he's he's fighting the deep state. I, I have no illusions of that. But my question is, who's your enemy? Who's going to have, who is going to have a direct effect on your life, man? It's like, I go, okay, what have the Russians done to you? I ask them, what have they done to you? Like, what is the Cold War about? Well, the Cold War is about this stockpiling of nuclear weapons, right? Well, that sounds like a great way to up military spending, okay? It's like, what is the real basis between this Red Scare and how far back does it go between Russia, Alexander II, and these international bankers and all that stuff? So you got to really ask yourself, is the military industrial complex, the big pharmaceuticals, and, and everybody else who owns all of our mainstream media, are they better off? Do they have your interest better off than than the Russians who run uh, RT News? You right. know, RT is plan. Russian state-sponsored propaganda. Now, excuse me while I go watch BBC News. Yeah, right. <laughs> what? <laughs> How does that work? Yeah, no, it's stupid. No, they are Russia. RT is Russian state-sponsored propaganda, and you have to take it with that perspective. You have to understand the bias that it's coming from. But BBC as well. And hey, how about the American networks? Hey, they may not be literally run by the government officially, but there's a lot of, uh, shall we say, corporate and other interests that influence and bias their news. I'm biased. I have my own perspectives and ideological position that I don't make any bones about. Everyone has their biases and agendas and things that they want to promote. And uh, to assume that there's some objective source of information floating on the clouds is, uh, of course, what the oligarchs want you to believe. Because, hey, we're the ones with the objective source floating on the clouds. We're the ones that have no bias. And that is reflected in what I think is the most disturbing part of the whole censorship agenda that's rolling out right now. For me, the outright banning from platforms isn't as scary as the more insidious psychological techniques that are being used on the public right now. Because when someone is banned from a platform completely, let's take Del Big Tree off Amazon, let's take, you know, such and such off YouTube, whatever. Alex Jones. Yeah, Alex Jones, sure. Let's take him off and ban him from all these platforms. That is out there, blatant. You cannot avoid it. They are censoring this person. It is a big flashing neon light for anyone who cares. And sure, a lot of the public doesn't care, but for those who care, hey, this is being censored. But the more insidious idea of censorship is, one, tailoring the access to information so that you don't have to censor someone off a website completely. I'm still on YouTube, but it's getting harder and harder to search for my material on YouTube. You're getting it recommended less and less. In such a gradual process, maybe a lot of people don't consciously recognize it until one day, you know, no matter what I search, I can't find James's work. I have to go directly to the address. What's going on? That's one way that this works. But the even more insidious level 
are all of these media bias fact-checking sites that are coming online right now. The, uh, the, the, the different news filters and fake news warning things that, that are being put into now being installed in various software. And it's, again, it's happening gradually, so people don't notice it. But I guarantee you, the Corbett Report is on a lot of those lists. And uh, a lot of the your sites and, and sites that you go to will be on those lists as well. And that will start to affect, perhaps not us, I mean, maybe people in our age bracket and people who have been around the internet a little know what's going on and won't be willfully taking this on, but our children, our children's children, what would the internet look like 10 years from now, let alone 20, 30, 40 years from now? Would you be able to access half of the information that you do today? And probably not. And again, it's not, it's not censoring people off platforms. It's creating lists that perhaps will even be voluntary. You know, oh, wait, I'm, I'm about to look at this piece of information, but I should check out on this media bias site and find out if that's good information or not because I can't think for myself. It's at the point where we start to internalize the censorship propaganda. Oh, I, I don't know if I can trust this or not. I better go to a trusted authority to decide if I can trust this information. When we start absolving ourselves of our own responsibility to understand and process information, game over for humanity. Couldn't agree more. Well, you think about like the amount of people that get, I mean, you think about like years ago when social media was really blowing up and everybody was discussing how the majority of people now, especially the younger crowd, get their news from Twitter and Facebook instead of like the mainstream media. Now, if you think about it, if you're the military industrial complex, if you're the government, if you're corporations, if you, whoever you are, if you're trying to influence people and you understand that like, okay, if everybody's going to these sites or using these websites or these apps for their news, then we can control those sites. We can, I mean, Joe Rogan has said how he's never trended on Twitter. You know, he's, how has he never trended on Twitter? You know, that's, look at the Alex Jones uh, show he did. Um, you know, didn't, it didn't rank or whatnot on, on iTunes. Like that's like, that's false advertisement. You're telling me that these are what's trending. These are the things people are talking about. These are the most popular things, but yet you're not showing me it. So, you know, like, why why isn't James's videos constantly being suggested? I mean, you have videos that have thousands and thousands and, uh, of, of watches. Like, if I'm looking up a topic, like, rarely do I ever see one of your videos being suggested. And um, and usually it's only after I watched a bunch of your videos, then, it, you know, but but I'm I'm already a, a fan. Like, but that, to that person that you might ex be exposed to some new information, like, they're not getting that information. They're not getting the benefit of that. And, you know, to me, it's like, we, we had this idea that, oh, they're suggesting this stuff completely, you know, unbiased. And it's just like, okay, we're suggesting, cause this is what you're looking up. But now it's, that's not, you know, it's obvious. That's not the case. Like they're, they're telling you what, you know, what you should be watching and what, what you should believe. And I mean, even like, uh, like the OKC video we've done, James, and you, you see with a lot of your videos, like they have the link underneath Wikipedia, you know, uh, here's yeah. Wikipedia yeah. Uh, um, uh, link. So if you want to read more, uh, you know, you want to read more about this story. It's like, wait, well, what, what do you, why, why do you have Wikipedia is not above? I mean, it, you can get some information from there, but you're acting like that. That's truth with a capital T. Like this is if you want to get the truth, you know, forget the video you're watching. Like this is where you can get the actual information. So I, I think these things are huge issues. Yeah, and, and, like and that's such a good point. They're always trying to tie our hands behind the back and they never want to fight a fair fight. 
And I remember, I always go back to this because I remember it so vividly. When I first started researching this stuff, 2006, Google Video still existed at that time. Remember that? And that was, and YouTube was limited to 10 minutes at that time. So Google Video is where you went for the big documentaries and stuff. But I remember they had a, like a front page that involved a top 10 videos of the day, top 10 trending videos or whatever. I swear, every single day, at least seven or eight of the top 10 videos was loose change, uh, terror storm, 9-11 demolitions. It was all truth-related stuff every single day. And I guess uh, Google eventually realized this, and they started jiggering whatever algorithm it was. I remember just with like a flick of a switch, suddenly it was like, you know, look at this funny fart video kind of thing. Uh, and suddenly the top 10 just completely changed. And then they hid the top 10 in some kind of sidebar that you had to like click through to try to find. And then they hid it completely so you had to go directly to the URL. And then they got rid of Google video altogether. And it was the same thing with YouTube. Remember, YouTube used to have a front page with trending videos. I have even, I, I even trended on that front page back in the day when that existed and then they're like no you know let's get rid of the front page now everyone will have their individual you know recommended video page and we'll make it so we only and now it's more and more recommending nonsense and fluff and i it's funny i mean you you know the types of stuff that i'm looking for and searching and subscribing to and whatever and i get none of that recommended to me now it's all like Hey, here's the Dick Cavett show. <laughs> You're interested in this, right? Or here's, you know, Jimmy Fallon. Like, oh, you know me. <laughs> and That's they exactly could talk about the same things you're talking about, Jimmy Fallon. And they would they would recommend that. It's just, it's who's recommending it. I mean, and again, we go back that Google itself admitted it lost $80 billion with their new algorithms, man. And that shows you what people are going to YouTube for. They're going to learn. They want to learn. It's almost like the Matrix. When the Matrix is, he's like, whoa, I know Kung Fu, right? He's downloading information. That's what these videos are doing, downloading information to these people, okay? I mean, a great example of censorship of news. I don't know if you guys remember this, but towards the end of Jon Stewart's run on Comedy Central um, on The Daily Show, there was a lot of talk, especially from the Republicans, okay, that people were going to that channel for their news. They were going to that show for their news. They weren't going to the mainstream media, uh, CBS, you know, the nightly news. They were going to watch Jon Stewart to get their news. And then suddenly Jon Stewart decides, I want to step down. I don't want to do it anymore. Who's going to replace Jon Stewart? And there was all this debate. One of my good friends, Al Magical, was one of the people up for it. And rumor was that Jon Stewart wanted Al Magical to take his spot. Who did they pick? Trevor Noah. Nobody got that uh, Got that at all. Everyone's like, why is this guy? Ho-? And nobody's talking about the show anymore. Well, Nobody. Well, What's that? He's not funny at all. But like, at least Jon but my point is, is yeah. that that's done on purpose. So people aren't going there for the news. That it's not, and I have two friends on that on that show that Mike Costa and a couple other people. And I'm super happy for them, and I want the show to do well. But nobody talks about that show the way they used to talk about that show. Nobody goes to that show for the news. And just think about this: once that show dies, all of a sudden, like the Republicans are the good guys in in on all the social media, and the Democrats are just crashing and burning crazy people who are all satanic pedophiles running cults and stuff like that. I mean, it's like it's like interesting stuff, dude. Well, look, at, they had a, that show after uh, Trevor took over. Remember that other political show that took uh, took Stephen Colbert's uh, show, uh, the 
Yeah, it was like supposed to be a conspiracy show, and it just no, crashed, burned. No, I don't think it was conspiracy. It was like some roundtable uh, discussion. Oh, yeah, yeah, Larry, Larry yeah. Fillmore. Yeah, something like that, yeah. And now, same thing. It was like, uh, was tr- I mean, they're trying to be edgy and having some debate, but everything was so biased. And, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, it's a, uh, and, and, and sometimes the problem with some of the censorship, it's like, you get some of the conservatives and the liberals, and then it's it's like, you know, the conservatives are saying that, and probably in some cases they are being um, censored, maybe uh, more than the liberals are. But at the end of the day, it's not a liberal conservative thing. It's not. So it's like, even though I, I'm glad that the conservatives are are fighting for, uh, you know, this this issue and they're they're putting uh, uh, attention on it, they're making it out to be like it's only because we have conservatives. Uh, a conservative perspective that they're trying to uh right. they're trying it's to not a principled thing people are no, rooting for uh colors team colors um it because and this is the clearest part about this 20 30 years ago you know it was all about the left crying out the right or trying to censor our free speech and look at all these moral police trying to crack down on bad words in rap music and whatever and now it's 180 degrees, and now the left is like, please stop, censor these people because they're saying things we don't like. It, it, it shows no one is arguing from a principled position here. And when and if, you know, conservatives get into a position of cultural supremacy or technological supremacy or whatever it is, they'll use it against the left because it is a weapon. Yep. Come back around, man. It'll come back. I've always said this, and if you t- kind of take a look at it, deregulation and how long they've been trying to deregulate everything business-wise, and then you, you compare that to how long we've been kind of having this uh, liberal, and I'm a liberal, but, you know, this movement to, like, uh, not be, like, love and respect and political correctness, and we just get to a point where we kind of achieved where we wanted to get to, but we just keep going, and now we're getting into, like, bizarro land of deregulation and bizarro land of uh, political correctness where it's him, her, shim, shim, zip, 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 zap, zop, and, like, it makes no sense, but we've gone so far, we've got one so much, we just got to see if we can get a little bit more, and it's the same thing with deregulation in business. There's been so much deregulation, so many wins on that front for that side that they just keep trying to deregulate more. More stuff and it's just like it doesn't make any sense at all and that's kind of i think we where we are that we're getting spit roasted by this by the right and the left that is trying to just just tear us apart and it's it's chaos yeah i think things can go too far you look at like uh you know like liberals and and i think you know it's like that saying you know if, if you're not a liberal when you're young you don't have a heart if you're not a conservative when you're old you don't have a brain, something like that. But it, it is one of those things when you're young, it's very easy to kind of be a liberal. I mean, I was too, because it was, it was like, Oh yeah, I want people to, to you know, everybody to have rights. And I, I, I'm against racism and I, you know, and I want people to have the right to do whatever they want and feel whatever they want and, and, and dress however they want without being judged. And, uh, but you look at it now, it's like, okay, we want to be open to, to, to people who want to have sex changes, for example. But then you're so open that it's like my eight year old, thinks he's a tree so i want to help him get surgery to become a tree you know yeah it's crazy or or you look at all the sex hormone therapy that's happening at such a young age and a majority of these kids are i mean how many people get a tattoo at 18 who don't regret it you don't think kids at at 10 who are getting sex hormone replacement you know there's a huge majority of them that regret it and go through depression and all this stuff so it's like yeah i get your purpose is like oh 
I'm open to whatever my child is feeling, but it's going so far in one direction. That's like, now you're just becoming an idiot and you're just letting them do whatever they want. And you have to give them some guidance and be like, listen, you're young. You're still figuring out who you are. So it's like, you know, I guess I'm going on a tangent, but my point no, is No, you like, make it sense, dude. Yeah, and, but and, even and, that goes too far where it's just like your heart's in the right place, but now you went too far where you become a, a extremist. And, and it just, you know, you kind you of make no sense. There's no common sense yeah. there. It's like there was a time when people were really outraged by steroid abuse by high school kids. And they were like, these kids should not be doing steroids. So they're better at football. Their bodies are growing and everybody went nuts. But for some reason, we've been told that kids on hormone therapy is totally acceptable. And I'm like, that makes about as much sense as saying kids should be able to get face tattoos in sixth grade. You're like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. It makes let's, no sense. Let's bring this back to the the sort of the main overarching topic of our conversation, because I think it relates. I mean, what has fundamentally changed over the past few decades that has flipped this whole political conversation into this insane dogfight between ridiculous sides? I think one of the key factors that's changed is the internet and specifically social media and the type of conversation that it enables and the types of voices that get to the top of that dog pile. It is not the same rational people who have, you know, well thought out positions. It is whoever screams the loudest and creates the most. You just said the word. It is the word outrage. It is an outrage culture driven by outrage. It's uh, again, you could just say, oh, it's just clickbait and they're just trying to do it to get you to click so you can get advertising money. But no, it is about shaping a political discourse that is ruled by extreme voices on either side. And it is absolutely uh, the ultimate manifestation of divide and conquer because where is this sending us? It is not sending us into a place where suddenly we're going to have some sort of uh, big conversation and work everything out as a, as a society. Of course not. This is driving people apart as far as possible, uh, dividing them up on every single issue you can imagine, G race, gender, sexuality, religion, absolutely every issue will become a wedge issue to push people further apart. And who benefits from that? Of course, the people who are in control of this status quo as it they exists. They can't come together at all. I mean, like, James, you, you say that your videos are kind of uh, at some point almost being shadow banned. But we see people within our conspiracy realm who just rail on Jews, rails on blacks, rails on gays, and their videos don't get touched. Why? Because they muck it up. They cause chaos. They cause people to do what you say. Go to the right. Go to the left. But you have people who are going, regardless of what you think of, let's say, a Holocaust video, right? I like someone who like who sits there and takes a look at a Holocaust video. And I'm not making any political statement on this, you know, but you, you take a look at that and why that gets wiped clean right instantly, wiped clean off of YouTube. Yet this guy over here railing on Jews doesn't get touched. Why? Because that causes chaos and that causes extremism. And that's what they want. They want people to run to this side and that side. Like we're about to play dodgeball where we all just yeah, run, exactly. grab our balls, go to the yeah. back and start throwing it the other yeah, side. Selective it's censorship is another tool of control because it's like, how did he get banned? And this guy didn't get banned. And, and then it starts the internecine warfare that, again, is part of the divide and conquer. And if yeah. you add to the mucking, that's it. Sorry, go on, Ricardo. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, even shows like Red Ice Radio, which, you know, has been around for a while, and they have a lot of great guests on. I'm pretty sure James has probably been on there a few times. I've had a lot of past guests on, on, on my show who, who've been on there. And I don't agree with everything he says. And, and uh, you know, he's obviously, you know, uh, very opinionated on certain things. But he's been censored. And 
just like Alex Jones, just like anybody who have these extreme views that you disagree with, like their voices should still be heard. And within that, you know, w- w- another thing we're, we're talking about here, it's like just because you don't agree with the majority of what they're saying or maybe a portion of what they're saying, it doesn't mean that I, I, I didn't take anything from that joke. I mean, I, it, it wasn't where I was exposed to James Corbett, but it could have been. I could have listened to that show, be like, OK, I, uh, I just this guy, James, is awesome. Let me, you know, see what he's doing and go to his website. And next thing you know, I'm exposed to somebody really interesting. Breitbart, for example, I don't agree with Breitbart, but they might have an article that, you know, has really good information and and exposes, you know, some you know, I can really get something from. So it's like, you know, it, the Clinton cash, you know, I remember that documentary. And uh, I remember bringing it up to people and they're like, oh, what's his face? He's biased. I'm like, so is everybody. I'm like, everybody has an opinion. So I'm like, but you can't, like, let's look at the information and discredit it because it's wrong, not because you don't like the person who's who's stating it or, or putting the documentary together or writing the article. Because I think that's a really easy way to just dismiss something. It's like, we're not even talking about the facts. We're just saying, I don't like that person. I think he has a uh, a bias of opinion. So I'm just, you know, so I'm just going to dismiss everything he's saying. It's like, no, let's just look at the, like, I might not agree with him either, but he might make a, a, a valid point in this one situation, you know, where he might, you know, there might be some good information in, in that documentary or in that article or on that website. So this idea of like, you know, it, it is a, a, a huge issue where like Alex Jones, for example, he gets like, because people think he's crazy and maybe he is <laughs> um they just dismiss everything he's ever said always and i'm like he's been right about a lot of shit and a lot of shit, a lot of shit. and and like you like james talked about terror storm i mean some of these documentaries were i mean rabbit holes i mean really opened the minds to a lot of people i mean the zeitgeist movies same thing you might not agree with everything but you know what? It helped a lot of I mean, James is already shaking his head. We've had this conversation before, but uh, 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 it, you know, but but, but you, when it came down to the, the 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 banking scam, when it came down to you know a lot of that stuff, it it, it helped people realize like holy shit, like they're just creating money out of you know thin air, like it, this this whole the, the way they make money and the value of money and all this. So there's there's a lot of good information in there. So it's like you don't have to agree with everybody to to. To, to me, it's like you shouldn't everybody should have the right to say whatever they want. If you're a Holocaust denier, if you're whatever it may be, let me hear your argument. I remember the first time I heard that Hitler made it in Argentina. I thought it was crazy. And then I had Gerard Williams on my show. And now I'm convinced without a doubt he made it in Argentina. For and, sure. And, and he was, you know, he ended up being on the History Channel afterwards and they did DNA tests and all this stuff. So a lot of things. You know, when you first hear it, it sounds crazy. And then you do a little bit of research and like, oh, shit, there's something. Now that, okay, so that's a very reasonable position. But how does that really play out in reality? Because what you're saying is, yeah, everyone should be allowed to say what they're going to say and we'll decide the information. Absolutely. Reasonable adults can decide for themselves what information they're going to take on board and what they can't. But uh, what does that mean in terms of a platform like YouTube, for example? And let's put this in a slightly different context. Should the government come in and say, it is not illegal to produce pornography, therefore YouTube has to allow pornography on their platform? Of course not. But how come then we can say, well, it's not illegal to say this political position, therefore YouTube must allow this political position on their platform? Who gives the government Uh, the right to do that? 
I understand what you're saying. I guess that would come down to that, you know, pornography is considered adult. We have adult venues where only adults can go into and there and stuff like that. I, I agree with you saying where, where where's the line that we draw and all that stuff. Because I think for me, I think the problem is this leads us into the false dialogue that gets to the false conclusion. Okay, so government should step in and regulate these platforms and say you have to allow all these people on your platform and you you so you, you know the platforms can't compete. So the 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 platforms that can abide by whatever filter system and whatever else uh, compliance uh, rules that the government sets up are going to be the ones that survive. YouTube, billions of dollars, teams of lawyers, international company, infrastructure all over the world. I think they'll be okay. DTube, BitChute, these other uh, startups that, you know, have three people working for them, maybe. Uh, are they going to be able to do it? Of course not. It's going to completely eliminate any competition. It takes the, our responsibility, again, away from us and puts it on, no, it's up to the government to provide us with some platform that they control that will allow us to, to have our speech, which I think is the wrong way to go, because in the long run, that's only going to cement and monop the monopolies of these big tech giants. Well, I mean, if you look at Tumblr real quick, they were they were attempting this thing where it's like anything goes, anything goes. And then child pornography was making it on there and they had to be and they either use it as a reason to get rid of all pornography or some of the more darker shit or whatever. So I, I don't I always feel no matter what you do, there's someone's gonna come in and be like, But I wanna do this. You're like, Well, we all agree that's wrong. Like I think I think ninety-nine percent or ninety-five percent of the population would be like, Okay, if you want to post all the weird porn you're into, kitty porn is not welcomed here. That should be one regulation. But there's always gonna be someone who just comes in there and just tries to like see how far they can push it. And then at the end of the day, we all have to pay a price for it. But I think a lot well, if we're going back to all these videos and James Yard videos and everybody you brought up, Ricardo, I think that the big thing is the videos that really get pulled are truth to power are the ones that are really bringing truth to power and laying down the foundation of the lies that let you know that basically everything you think isn't real. And those are the ones that get wiped off. The ones that are just like, you know, Hitler wasn't a bad guy. You know, those those are going to stay on because those muck it up. But the ones that are like, hey, dude, these are the, the United States corporations that funded Hitler. He was a Rothschild. We helped him get our Those are the ones that may eventually get pulled because those are the ones who get in your head and change the way you see things. Well, I don't think so. I don't think it's that straightforward. I wish it were that easy. Okay, so all the censored videos are the right ones, and then anything that's left up must be some sort of misinformation, right? But then no, that's no, an no. easy game Maybe. to play by the platforms. So then they ban some, you know, they censor some of that information, then they censor some real information, they censor something in between, they censor it over here, they censor over there, and then you don't know what to believe, because if you go from the mindset, if it's censored, it must be good. Then, then unfortunately, again, that's an easy game to uh, to play for them. Okay, platform. I'll give you that. Okay, I'll give you that. I just what? feel that like a lot, like the Alex Jones stuff. He gets. I feel like a lot of it's censored because it was truth to power, you know. And then they throw in like when they threw in like Twitter banned all these people, and they threw in Louis Farrakhan out of nowhere, and it was just like, where's that guy coming from? It was just like they added in to see like, hey, we're going after a lot of people. But yeah, I guess you're right, man. Well, I think, well, I'll take an L on that one. <laughs> To Sam's point, I mean, I think there is something to the fact that like somebody like Martin Luther King, who's spreading ideas, 
is much more dangerous to the establishment than somebody who is starting a riot and breaking shit and starting fires and is David Duke on Twitter. He's still there. You know, I, I I do agree, but I will say, like, I am a little confused on what they do and do not censor. I'm not sure I, I have an established opinion on what exactly, like, why why they pick and choose who they're censoring more than others. I mean, look at the Epstein thing, right? All of a sudden, like, this is stuff that we've all talked about forever. I mean, we've we've all t- talked about the Franklin scandal. We've all talked about, you know, uh, I've had the filmmaker from a, a Open Secret on. I think uh, you guys have too or talk to him. Um, you know, it, it's, this is stuff that's been talked about. I mean, J- James has done tons of videos on this stuff, uh, on, on, uh, Dennis Haster and all, all, all this stuff. Like, and, and yet all of a sudden it's like breaking news. Epstein's uh, who, you know, this billionaire who's linked to all these guys. It's like, why is this stuff? And, and, but this is actually a, a legit question. Cause I'm not sure. I, I understand why all of a sudden, like something that seemed to be suppressed, a story that seemed to be suppressed, all of a sudden, like everybody got it's it's almost like they had a meeting. And they're like, hey, like we're we're getting the green light to talk about this, right. and now we can talk yeah. about it. You know, well, I mean, this, like- the the sort of straightforward answer is, oh, because it was the Miami Herald, right? Did their investigative series and brought it back into light. But then, yeah, again, well, why? How did they pick this up, and why is this coming to light? I, I just did a little test actually, just to see what we're talking about. I am signed into YouTube, so it's my account with my subscriptions and my viewing history and all that. And I just typed Epstein, just Epstein, into the YouTube search. And I'm getting Ring of Fire number one, TRU reporting number two, Sam Tripoli number three. Yay! <laughs> so there you go. I mean, the search, <laughs> yeah, we were talking about the way the search is being limited. But hey, there's still, and for topics like this that are just coming up, perhaps not uh, uh, limited searches yet, but... How long will that last? And I have experience from that. I've talked about it a few times. There was uh, last year, uh, Chris Hayes, MSNBC, did a tweet about, um, oh, you know, the dangers of YouTube and whatever. And and he said, imagine you're a high school student and you go, uh, you have a a homework project on the Federal Reserve. So you type Federal Reserve into YouTube and you get this. And he tweets a screenshot of Century of Enslavement. And so uh, I was like, oh, you know, awesome. Good advertising. And a lot of people in the, t- in the Twitter comments were like, hey, that's a good documentary. Thank you. <laughs> um, but the upshot of that, the very next day, you type Federal Reserve into YouTube, Century of Enslavement ain't there on the first page of results. Um, I mean, immediately they changed the algorithm. And that's the way this is going to work. And I'm sure, well, however this plays out, I'm pretty sure in the near future, Epstein is not going to bring up Sam Tripoli number three. <laughs> don't do that to me dude no, Listen, what, sorry <laughs> what if what if you know we always hear that uh leaders are chosen not elected what if this whole trump election was just uh, uh some kind of facade to bring in this internet censorship to save us from that you know the the rogue candidate who's driving everything crazy you know like what if it's that deep, man? Like, all this stuff is so pre-planned. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, we see the Bush-Clinton connection and how they were going at it in the election. And when we just know they were buddies fucking shipping coke into Arkansas. It was all this theater, this pro wrestling. What if this is part of it? What if Obama spying on Trump and Hillary and the high and the and the WikiLeaks and all this is just all even though Seth Rich was murdered sadly, you know, trying to get this out. What this is all part of this giant script 
in order to lock down the internet. I could see that being a play. I mean, like you create. I I certainly see that, and I agree. But let's let's not even. I mean, we don't even have to go there. Um, it's certainly possible. But I think the real point of this is, however this plays out, and whatever kind of thing pops up, and whatever doesn't pop up, whatever gets suppressed, whatever comes up, whatever comes out in the news, they're going to try to spin it towards an agenda. And I think the agenda, we understand, the agenda is long-term towards this censorship control of the internet. Eventually, you're going to be thumbprinting or whatever to get online. We know it's heading there, it's just how many steps between here and there. So any any story that comes up, they're going to see how they can flip it and spin it so that it gets us closer to that agenda. And from that perspective, you don't even have to engineer every single step of the 100 steps along the path. You just have to make sure that once you reach a certain step, okay, we have to go this way. Once we reach a certain step, okay, we have to go that way. And if you can control that discourse, then you, you can control the entire journey, no matter if you are controlling each step along the way, if you know what I'm saying. No. Chinese social credits, almost. That's it. I mean, we're heading there. Well, one thing about the Epstein thing I forgot uh, to mention was that uh, that I found interesting and might answer the question on why this stuff is is all of a sudden okay to, to report. Uh, everybody's talking about how Trump is linked to Epstein, but the Clinton link has kind of disappeared, and nobody's talking about So I wonder how much of this is just the hatred towards Trump by the media using this, like, oh, now we can use this guy to to make Trump look worse and, and, and whatnot, because somebody, I don't know who it was, which podcast I was listening to where they said that uh, if you Google Epstein and Clinton, like all the pictures of them together, like disappeared, like gone. Yeah. So uh, I wonder how much of that is just. Yeah. But know, again, I don't think so. I wouldn't say that that's part of a plan. Like, okay, let's, let's bring Epstein back into the light with all of his documented connections to Clinton that we've already have already been discussed in the black book and all of that so that we can get Trump. That doesn't, I mean, that doesn't make strategic sense to me. But if Epstein comes back into the light, then it's like, okay, so let's just talk about Trump. And and so that's the way you spin the information that's coming out towards a certain agenda. So why, so why do you, because this, this story, like I said, like this story has been around like similar to the Dennis uh, Haster story. And a lot of these things have been like suppressed from the public, the Franklin scandal, all this stuff. And all of a sudden it's like ABC News, NBC News, the Today Show, like, every mainstream show there is is talking about it when you know that this is not breaking news this this has been going on for a while and what like why do you is it a distraction to 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 you know to something else yeah, is I've it noticed because they thought like they couldn't <laughs> i've noticed that's like the go-to conspiracy take on anything these days x is a distraction from y and you could say that about any two stories plug in any yeah. stories in there and uh, you can that's make true. that argument yeah. so i'm not a big fan of that but Here's my take. The premise of your, your, your argument there is that every story is controlled and is planned and is manipulated. Um, whereas I think, I, I don't believe that. I think there are the vast majority of people out there as reporters genuinely believe that they are doing good work, genuinely believe that they are trying towards a certain, you know, get the truth out there kind of stuff. And they'll internalize a lot of the propaganda they have to internalize in order to function in that world. I mean, oh yeah, I'm not going to talk 9-11 inside job. That's crazy. I never go there. You don't need someone, an editor saying, don't talk about 9-11 truth. I mean, no, everyone understands that's the game that's being played. Yeah. But yeah. everyone thinks... 
I mean, uh, most reporters, the ones that aren't directly on the payroll, and there are some that are directly on the payroll, but the ones that aren't, I mean, not every single one is controlled. And from time to time, stories do break. And I think, I don't know. Like, I don't know, obviously, why Epstein's coming, but it does come from that Miami Herald reporting that was going on last year. And where did that come from? And who, who gave the green light to that? Why was there no control put on that? It isn't necessarily that this is part of a conspiracy to bring this story back into light. It could be real reporters doing real reporting. I leave that possibility open at any but, rate. But but the but the argument is there when they want a story to not be reported, they can right. do that. I mean, exactly there's, like there's, the Vanity Fair 2003 article, right, by Vicky Ward, where she had two of yeah. his victims on record, re- willing to go public, and they killed that part Next, of the story. So, yeah. So, so that's the thing that's that's really yeah. interesting about this whole yeah. thing is that, uh, you know, if they, if they the, the fact that everybody is talking about it, it almost seems like it, it's just to me, it's confusing. It's like, why all of a sudden is this? I mean, unless they know he's linked to some people that they want to bring down. So, I mean, I don't know what what it is, but it just seems really interesting that because I mean, like we talked about, we talked about Washington Post, you know, obviously Operation Mockingbird, like all, all these these newspapers and and and, and media uh, 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 companies are controlled, and and there's uh, you know everything from from uh, the CIA and 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 big business having influence on what's going on and what's reported and what's not reported. So the fact that everybody's kind of like it's like okay now to talk right. about it. To, well, a lot of this stemmed from the court proceedings that were still ongoing uh, and have been ongoing for years about unsealing certain documents. And for for example, I mean, we only recently in the past few years, I don't have the timeline in front of me, but we only recently found out about the the details of that sweetheart deal the, the prosecution made a decade ago that was completely illegal and was withheld illegally from the, uh, the victims. Uh, we only recently found out about that. So that's kind of new information that is now part of the public record that Again, even if every single story is manipulated, there are certain things that cannot... I mean, this is part of the public record now. Everyone knows about it, so they're going to have to talk about it one way or another. And when that happens and the snowball starts rolling, then I think they're they're trying to direct the snowball. Oh, look, it's Trump. Look at this footage of him from 1992 with Epstein. Yeah, we already knew they were friends in the 90s, but he says he disavowed it in the 2000s. What does this have to do with that? Nothing, but hey, it's footage of Epstein and Trump in 92, right? We had talked about, too, it's like this is kind of along before uh, the show started, James, and I was talking about how, or at least I was saying this to him, that um, that this is kind of like Russian Gate, where it's like there's not really a denial of what's in the emails, more of a denial of uh, how the emails got out, which was a hacking. They never denied what was in the emails, which to me was worse than the hacking, even if it was the Russians. Like, What's in the emails to me is 10 times worse than a Russian hacking. What we're seeing with this Donald Trump thing is that, hey, it's not a denial of pedophilia by all these people, but it's like Donald Trump is in on this, too. He's a pedophile as well. Not a denial. We had Bill Clinton go, I did not do anything with those kids, which sounds just like that. I did not, you know, I had oral sex. I didn't have sex with that woman, which we all know is a lie. But for the most part, nobody's denying that there was pedophilia going on there. There's some denial whether they engage in it like with Dershowitz, but the real push by the media isn't a denial that people were being pedophiles. It is more of a push of the narrative that Trump engaged in pedophilia as well. And that he's the so, and that to me is very important because we don't see any denial of what's important to us. Like who's, who's, 
kidnapping, raping, killing these children. It's like, oh, Trump's friends with him too. He's probably involved in this as well. And I think that's very dark. One thing I do like is, you know, again, we were talking before, is like, I think the cool thing about the Costa uh, plea deal coming out is that now it's really forced uh, everybody to watch this judge and this prosecutor in this new trial with a magnifying glass that we're not just going to ignore it, but we're really watching how they're proceeding with handling this case because we know they got a sweetheart deal before. And as bad as that is, that sweetheart deal has really upped the exposure on this new trial and really put a lot of eyes watching, making sure this funny business doesn't happen again. And for that, I think we're looking at a whole different trial. And I think it's going to be a lot harder to pull a lot of his BS off. But it's amazing the deal he got. Like, the, like the, the, to me, it just, it blo- we always talk about how, like, you know, laws are really designed just to basically screw the poor and, and, and the people who really can't afford to, to, to get the best lawyers and the best attorneys and all this stuff. But to show how if you have friends in the right places and you have a lot of money, how even with all these people admitting that they saw you and they were a part of this and and eyewitnesses and girls coming out and, t- and, and saying that, you know, they were at these parties like you could still just make it all go away. Like it, it like it doesn't matter how much trouble you're in or how much evidence there is. If you have friends in the right places and you have money like you it, you can make it all go away. It just it's it boggles my mind. Oh, but Ricky didn't all go away. He spent eighteen months in like day release with uh, light mag- minimum security. And uh, as we are now finding out, as as the residents of St. James uh, knew, yeah, he was flying into St. James to go out to his little St. James Island with underage girls as recently as a year ago. And everyone knew about this, but he tipped well, so they didn't say anything. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's sweetheart isn't it, 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 sweetheart deal sounds. I, I, is the wrong words because it doesn't put into language how yeah. utterly insane that 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 travesty was. But um, guys, do you guys have any uh, any thoughts on you know Casa coming out going? I was told that this guy is above my pay grade. Well, he didn't come out and say that. That's the point. Vicky Ward reported that someone told her that Acosta told them. And, and we don't even know who told her. It was some White House source told her that Acosta told them that it was above his pay grade. And then, of course, in the actual press conference, go and watch that when they ask him about that. And he goes, well, there's been a lot of reporting and people are going down rabbit holes and blah, blah, blah. And he said he doesn't deny it. He doesn't confirm. He doesn't talk about it at all. He just says there's a lot of rabbit holes in the reporting, and uh, and I think people should concentrate on the story or whatever. It's, there's uh, any of a lizard idea. person looking person. Acosta looks like a lizard person for sure. <laughs> Straight <laughs> up lizard, dude. Central well, casting about him. Uh, uh, ah, central cast. <laughs> his links to like Mossad and all this other stuff that's coming for out. For sure, for sure, and that's why I'm really amazed. It's this crazy how deep it goes. It's not. It's, it doesn't even seem like it's only just a guy, a really rich guy with a a a, a sick fetish. It, it's it's like it, it seems like it's way deeper. 
Because it is way deeper. It is It is the reason why we've seen, in my opinion, this movement that's helped certain countries in the Middle East other over other certain countries because these guys are all blackmail. I mean, it was done on purpose, man. The powers that be, whether it's Hollywood or Washington, D.C., is like, put these people in bad situations film it, and then let them know they got the goods on it. It is done on purpose, man. And uh, who knows how far it will go, but there's supposedly 2,000 files about to be released on all the sick shit that these guys did. And hopefully people will wake up that, you know, it's like we're all worried about Russia meddling in our elections. Well, we got another country that's got their hands hands in the cookie jar. I mean, there's a reason why we have U.S. politicians voting for to ban BDS, which is like completely a violation of your freedom of speech. When you have politicians like banning anti-Semitism talk, that is a violation of our freedom of speech. When you have People very high up in Hollywood talk about how they should teach the Holocaust in schools when we already teach World War II. It's already part of the curriculum. What is going on here? And like, dude, I have nothing against Israel. My girlfriend's family goes to Israel all the time. Like on the lowest level, I think everybody is just a victim of this propaganda, this massive propaganda. When you, you hear Israelis talk about Palestinians as dogs, to me, that is a sign of brainwashing propaganda that all this money on this very small territory, we're talking LA to San Diego and all this money, just propaganda beating them down and like, we hear all this control opposition, whether it's Al-Qaeda, ISIS. Why would Hamas be any different? You just fucking occasionally send a rocket into one place and then you get everybody all angry. To me, it's all it's all the same. I could be wrong. I mean, I've been wrong on this podcast today, so I might be wrong again. But my point is, it's just like it is very deep, very deep. And I think this Mossad contact is huge. And I think it drives everything. But uh, Trump has no connection with that stuff, right? Nope. I, I hate, dude. <laughs> I, I say this, if Trump's part of it, throw him on the guillotine, too. Yeah, well, that's, I, the, that's the thing, yeah, that gets excluded. Like when he attacks Ilan Omar, it's because she's anti-Semitic and she doesn't like yeah. Israel. It's like, yeah. wait, what, what country are you president of? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And it's just like when you ban these certain things, you start going, okay, why are, are these banned? I mean, like... And Holocaust denial videos are, I mean, regardless of what you think, it's not my thing, but it, it's to ban them. You're sending people to go watch those videos. Why is it that particular video banned? I, yeah. it, it makes there you those, go. That's the other side of all of the censorship stuff is that, as I say, it puts the red flashing light on material that you're censoring. So that can be used strategically too. censor people that you want people to go down a certain rabbit hole or whatever, right? I think that's a big part of Alex Jones, man. They banned Alex Jones on YouTube. Boom, everybody ran to check out his videos. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I, I mean, this whole, it, it is, you know, what James brought up earlier, and I think it's it's a, it's an interesting debate, like this idea of like, okay, at, at, if it's a private company, YouTube, Google, all this stuff, they do, should they have the right to decide what is on their platform or not? But yet they've gotten so big and they've become such monopolies that it's like, 
you know, if, if they can control what's being said, then they basically are controlling what's being said because that everything that is being said is on those platforms. There is no alternatives. So it's, uh, you know, it, it is, uh, to me, you know, I, I can see the argument that, okay, as a private company, like you might not want porn on your, on your, uh, you know, your, but I, I can, I can see the other argument, right? The, the, the argument of like, you know, let's legalize like Portugal did let's legalize all drugs. Guess what? People who don't want to do drugs are still not going to do drugs, you know, wow. we criminalize. Them. So it's like if you like people have access to porn, regardless if it's on those sites or not. Like, right. But you, wanna, do you see the difference in the argument and, and the way that we're conflating things. It would be like saying, OK, you legalize all drugs. But now, you know, whatever supermarket has to sell drugs. But what if they don't want to sell drugs? Right. They should have the right to say, no, we're not going to sell drugs. Yeah, drugs are legal and you can go get them, but you, you're not going to get them from our store. And is the government going to come in and say, no, you have to sell drugs now? No, of course well, not. wouldn't you be making the argument that, I mean, for what YouTube and Google is doing, right? Saying that, like, well, I don't have to put this stuff out here just because, like, okay, if you want to watch these videos, go watch them somewhere else, right? Yeah, I'm saying fundamentally this is a victim complex that we're in right now. But everybody's on YouTube, so, you know, we have to be on YouTube. No, that's the victim mentality of all of this, and that's where they want us, ultimately. They want us to think we are ultimately completely powerless. We are at the total mercy of whatever government is going to come in and make whatever laws they're going to make or whatever platform comes along. No, we, the, that is the entire point of the Internet. It is a decentralized network that we can put up what we want. We can share things peer-to-peer. -peer. There's no way to stop that unless you shut down the entire internet, which is impossible because it's just a series of, of servers all spread all over the world. There's no way to shut it down, except yeah. for EMP attack uh, that shuts down all, internet, uh, all electricity in the world or something. So at this point, no, we are accepting the victim mentality. We're taking it upon ourselves to be, oh, we're just poor and helpless and nothing we can do except wait for daddy government to come in and tell these platforms what to do. That's garbage. And when we ex start accepting that, we've already lost the game. I mean, we've seen Netflix is suffering, YouTube suffering, Facebook suffering. So I guess along the lines of what you're talking about, you have seen action going, F you, I don't want to be on this platform anymore. And you see people leaving those platforms people to other Facebook platforms. Like, people are you know, leaving Facebook like crazy. I know so I, many people. I wish people would go to BitChute more. I, mean, I wish you would check it out, man. I left, I left Twitter a year ago. Uh, at the time I had 38,000 followers or whatever, and I, I left it, I don't want anything to do with it, goodbye, and honestly my life is better. Uh, and I don't need that platform. I don't need it. And it's the same thing with YouTube, I'm kind of waiting for them to kick me off, but at some point, <laughs> if they don't kick me off, that's it, I'm gone. And anyone who isn't willing to follow me to another platform isn't part of my audience. They don't care. And okay. Yep, I agree with that Fair completely, enough. dude. I agree with that completely. If I leave Twitter, what am I going to do when I'm in the bathroom? Like, I need to <laughs> I'm so, all that free time of, of uh, just scrolling through, you know, it, it is crazy. We have, like, literally become cyborgs. We're just, like, we're so, like, this idea, like, I talk to people about how, uh, I'm like, we've literally accepted the fact that we'd rather be in a digital reality than an actual reality. Because, and they're like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, because you go anywhere, right? You go to a restaurant, you go to a bar, you go to a, any social gathering, and people would rather be staring at this digital screen with lights and all this stuff than actually experience the people around them. And 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 uh, and I'm like, you're you're basically saying I'd rather be in this. Like, you might as well just shut our bodies down, download, you know, put some helmet on that keeps us in some virtual reality, 
and uh, and then just pump you know guilty as charged i'm i'm part of humanity i'm doing it too i've got the fondle slab and there are times when i sit there and i'm thinking i'm just scrolling and doing mindless things and then i'm like oh my children are here maybe i should be playing with my children rather than existing in this virtual reality it's yeah it's getting into our heads yeah that's that's a real dilemma i uh i i see it all the time you get you're at home you're tired you know you work all day and then it's like oh let me just go on my phone and then it's like next you know it's hours later like i could have been doing this i could have been doing that i could have been and then it's like what and then when it's all said and done it's like what did i gain from it like well i didn't i didn't learn nothing nothing i mean how many hours of your life have you spent on social media and you're just like i've learned nothing i've gained nothing I, i i haven't sustain any of this information and most of it's useless information anyway yeah. you know my uh, instagram feed is all ass it's just ridiculous <laughs> it's just all i just i'm such a monkey i'm like a monkey i'm a knuckle dragger <laughs> i'm like what i'm on the plane i'm next to children i'm just like what has happened to my instagram because i'm a monkey dude and it's a giant waste of time and and let's yeah let's bring in the other side of this. This has this has been weaponized against us. There's a reason why this technology is so addictive. It's because they have literally set out to make it as addictive as possible. We have this from all the insiders and founders of all these different media platforms, Sean Parker and many others who desi- designed the very things that are enslaving us, who said, yeah, we set out to make it as addictive as possible. I don't use it. I don't let my children within 100 feet of these uh, these devices. Uh, why? Why? Because it is designed to get us into the matrix. And yeah. the real long-term part of this is it is literally designed to get us in the matrix hey elon musk brain machine interface cool yay i'm gonna get the brain chip as soon as it comes out that is where this is heading what's hilarious about elon musk is that he 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 talks about his fear of ai but yet he's helping bring it yeah the solution is to get ourselves embedded with ai Yeah, it's like I it, it makes zero sense. It's like in in like if you're if you're watching videos about, you know, just like well-known celebrities and people talking about their their fear of AI, AI Musk is in those videos and then all of a sudden it's like he's he's bringing technology to the public that's creating the issue that he's concerned about. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I mean he is a, a little bit crazy, so I mean, it's uh, oh, he's, you, you know, just there's pictures of him with that Maxwell chick that just popped up, and it's just like we always want to. For believe people in, in the audience who don't know, that's Ghislaine Maxwell Epstein's right hand woman. Yeah, Hunter, Hunter. It's like I, and I think this pedophilia thing. I the the, the reason why I'm, I'm glad it's it's getting uh, a lot of attention because. I don't think people realize how big of an issue it is. Like literally, it seems like everybody in a high position anywhere, if it's a corporation, if it's politics, if it's the royal family, everybody's involved. It like it's there's links to everybody. Like it almost seems like the world is run by pedophiles. Like it truly seems like that. Because it I, might be. Because it might be. Yeah. And, and uh, Jesuits, the 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 Vatican, the, well, the well, I mean, like how many how many institutions that we know have a firm grip on power have been associated with pedophile scandals? The royal family, 
Tons of them, dude, convicted in courts. A guy tried to arrest them. They threw him in a, a metal hospital and threw him on drugs. The Vatican, Hollywood, Washington, D.C., over and over and over again, man. Whether it's used for power or maybe that's why they made having as disgusting as I find it is having sex with someone who isn't mentally capable of understanding what you're doing and being able to co-sign on that. At one point, people were marrying 13-year-olds, and I don't think that's right. Maybe they made that illegal so they could control it, like the, the way they made drugs illegal so they could make all this money off it on the black market. I don't know, but it is everywhere. It is everywhere. And to sit there and go, and then this isn't you at all, but the, for people to go, oh, the world's ran by pedophiles, I, I think it's a very common theme, man. I would take that over, oh, the Jews run everything, blah, blah, blah. I take it way over that. I mean, you're looking at like black nobility, the Vatican, all Jesuits that are just balls deep into this stuff, no pun intended, but it's just like, it just yeah. really but, is. But this you know? is, yeah, this is the point um, that it is a form of political control. I mean, it gives you the blackmailed, I mean, this is how a cacistocracy functions, and this is why pedophiles, uh, psychopaths, uh, criminals are attracted to positions of power, because it lets them get away, get away with what they're doing, but then there's always the level above them that's using that as strings to control what they're doing. You can get away with it as long as you do this, as long as you go that way. So it's an entire system of control. And then we at the bottom think, oh, you know, if we just vote for this person or vote for that person, everything's going to change. It's, it's nonsense. But this is the, I mean, this is the 17 layers of psychological conditioning we're under where we don't even see the system that's functioning at the top. But we get to feel, no, the government is us and it represents us. <laughs> Do you think that anything changes, guys? Do you think this Epstein trial leads to anything big? Do you think that whoever, we, we either abandon these tech companies? Because, I mean, people are leaving Facebook in droves. I mean, do you think anything from this moment of recording, let's say a year from now, two years from now, three years, is any different than it was? Wow, it's hot. Oh, that's, the short term is a lot harder than the long term because a hundred years from now, I can tell you it's one of two ways. Either we have freed ourselves from the parasites that are controlling the system and uh, have done so for millennia um, be, through a conscious revolution, a revolution of the mind between the ears. The most important territory in the universe um, is what's going on between your ears right now. It's why they spend so much time propagandizing us and trying to control what we see and hear and think and do and say. Um, that is the ultimate battle. Either we win that battle and a hundred years from now we're using technology, sure, to explore the universe and to, to do what humanity is destined to do, or game over. It's a bunch of cyborg cattle on the you know human plantation or the transhuman plantation. Um, and I, you know, if I didn't think there was a possibility of that conscious revolution, I wouldn't be here doing this. I'd be off doing something fun and just distracting myself till I die. But uh, I think there is a point. I can't agree more. I'm, there's a point in doing this. And the point is we can reach that goal. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's 100% certain. I wouldn't want to put odds on it, to be honest, because it might not be pretty. But at any rate, there's some chance that there is some spark of humanity left within us that will survive on the other side of this. So you say there's a chance. <laughs> That's it. Dumb and dumber. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying well, there's a chance. <laughs> I, I, 
one thing I, I see that gives me hope and uh, I'm, I'm big into cigars and, and bourbon and, and, uh, and my, my dad's made wine and my family makes wine and all, all these things that are like uh, more important than the things I'm, I'm, I'm actually referring to. It's the fact that these traditions of like getting together and having a, a glass of whiskey, making wine, having a cigar, it's all about social gatherings. It's all, you know, hang out, you conversate, you have discussions, your phones are aside. And you're starting to see these things get more popular. You're seeing malls uh, focus more on on social gathering things, arcades, all this stuff, kind of reinventing the wheel because obviously people aren't buying stuff at malls anymore. But I think it also has something to do with the fact that no matter how much uh, things change our environment, our environment changes, like we haven't changed enough where we can live without um, being social creatures. We can't ignore the fact that we're social creatures. We can't ignore some of our deep-rooted DNA and tendencies. And I feel like even though things are changing, like it, it's almost like things are changing, things are changing. We think like, you know, and, and uh, I refer to um, Chris Ryan's great book that's coming out in October called Civilized to Death. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Chris Ryan. He's been on the show a, a while ago. And um, he, he talks about like, what's progress, right? We think we're progressing, right? We're progressing, right? We're, we have more shit. We have more stuff. We have more uh, more technology, things are faster, cars are, are cooler and all, all this stuff. And, uh, and yet we're more unhappy. We're more depressed. We're more over-medicated. We're all, so it's like, I think we have to reanalyze, rethink what is progression? And are we like, what, what we think progression is, is it necessarily even a good thing? Like, you know, you look at, uh, um, you know, just over vaccination, you know, all these things that like we think we keep improving, keep improving. And now it gotten to the point where it's like, oh, oh, crap. I think if we actually go back to the way we were, we'd be better off. We'd be happier. We'd be healthier. We'd be, you know, so it's like we keep trying to reinvent the wheel. We keep trying to fix things. We keep trying to make things better. And I think that we've gotten to the point where just like, no, we can actually learn from our ancestors. We're probably better off. We take a couple of steps backwards. And uh, and I think that, you know, Americans society is a perfect example of it because we keep thinking that like if we have all these material things it'll make us happier and 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 we have all this technology makes us happier and we're some of the least happy people in the world you know we're we're uh you know we're, a lot of people here are are ha happy because they're constantly drinking alcohol drinking coffee like if you need all these substances oh be, dude i'm to, addicted just to just to like survive then what does that tell you about our our overstressed lifestyle you know like coffee is one of those things that sells like crazy energy drinks all this stuff what does that tell you about the way we live like are we we're overstressed physically and mentally like we need all these things just to to make ends meet just to, to be like stable and get through the day then maybe we need to reanalyze like the way we live like you, you know in portugal um you know people have a, a much more laid-back lifestyle people spend much more time with family and friends and community they don't have the material things we have here uh uh, they have way more time off. They, you know, stuff like that. But they're happier, and and they're, you know, and they're complete content. It's almost like we've been sold this 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 book of lies. You know, this this, you know, I and it's a line in the song I wrote, uh, lyrics I wrote a long time ago. This sabotage the American dream. This idea that like, oh, you know, you come to America, you chase financial wealth, and you can have that big car, you can have that big house, you can have that white picket fence. And this is the road to happiness. Just go down this road. And then you go down that road and you're like, wait, I don't get it. Like I did all the things that were necessary to be happy and I'm freaking miserable. Like, you know, we're, we're and, and then you see this epidemic of the divorce rate going up. Why? I know I have a lot of friends that are divorced that are, were in that 
majority of those people, you know, those parents that were, you know, the, when the divorce rate was 50% and like, that's what they tell you. They, a lot of them tell you it's because I was told that I should get married at this age. I should have kids at this age. I should own a house at this age. I should do, I was doing all the things that society and marketing was telling me would bring me happiness. And I did it and I was unhappy. And so I yes. think we need, we need to reanalyze like what is, you know, what is the, our purpose? What is, you know, and I, this goes to the greater, uh, the, uh, I, I guess the big picture. And, um, and I think, but these big picture conversations are important because I think it's really easy to like talk about the, like what's going on currently, you know, current events, all this stuff. But I think we need to reanalyze like what's our purpose. What's, what's really happiness. What brings us happiness? What, uh, you know, what's, a, a, I guess a more natural state for humans, you know? And, and, uh, and I think we're social creatures. I think inherently most of us are good. I think, unfortunately we've created a system where if you're a psychopath, then you succeed financially and you can get to those positions of power. Like we own, we own a small business, uh, a construction company. We're never going to be huge. Why? Cause I'm a good person. I feel, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I can't, I can't screw somebody just to make a little bit extra money. I can't do something that I feel like is morally wrong just to make a little bit more profit. I can't argue for something in a, you know, during a meeting, you know, just to make us more money, even though I know like I'm actually not even making a valid point, but I can pretend I am because I think that if I win this argument, I can make more money. Like I can't do those things. I, I have to be able to look in the mirror. I have to be able to, to be happy with who well, I on am. On the flip side, we've got a good business plan for you. I mean, just blackmail the mayor, you know, make sure yeah. you get some city construction contracts, move your way up to state level, eventually you're federal and then you're Epstein level. So there you yeah, go. That's the way to make money, right? It's that, it's just that it's simple. simple. Well, and that type of stuff, and people, if anybody is involved like local politics, I mean, there's corrupt, when, like we're talking about like big picture corruption or like, you know, the highest levels of corruption. But like, if you don't believe these these conspiracy theories, you know, quotes, conspiracy theories, uh, you know, just go to small uh, government. Like there's contractors who get, like you said, get contracts because, uh, you know, they're friends with the, the mayor. There's, uh, you know, there's all that to people get positions because of who they know. Like now you just keep going up the levels and that stuff doesn't stop happening. It yeah. just happens more. Yeah, that's the you know? strangest part about conspiracy denial. It's like everyone knows all these conspiracies that function in their daily lives. But the, the richest, most powerful people in the world doing the exact same thing? Never. They're angels. Yeah. 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 It's like you'll go to work and be like, my boss likes this person again. And they're just yeah. and but yeah. they're like, oh, well, the government's ran by these people working there. No, no, never happens. Like, <laughs> no, I voted for my congressman. He's a good man. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, OK. With huge yeah. topics. We've talked about everything. Final thoughts. Um, um, you want to go, I th I think there's I, I think there's hope. I think and I think there's hope for for the reasons I, I was stating. I think that no matter how much we try to, uh, you, you know, technology and those in power push us in the direction of one way. I think we have deep rooted. Uh, uh, just there's things you can't you can't deny that we are. I think for the majority good people. We are social creatures. I mean, we've created, I mean, we talked about in the past, I think even with you, James, like the history of like the suburbs and trying to make people less social and, and, and get people to live in these, these houses where you don't know your neighbors and you don't share your garden and all this stuff. And, uh, and I think that there's some pushback now. Now you're, I think you could only, uh, 
try to change society for so long. And then eventually we're like, oh shit, this isn't working. And I think now people are actually taking steps backwards. And so I think that that's, it's a step in the right direction. I think that it shows that maybe um, as much as they try to change what humans are and what makes us human. And that's, you know, these, these social aspects to us and, and our personalities and how we are good people. I think uh, eventually they, we're going to realize like, holy shit, like we have to take a step back and we have to reanalyze uh, our lifestyle and the way we live and, and, and what truly makes us happy. So I think there, there is hope. And I, and I think these conversations, like James said, they can't stop the internet. The internet itself exists. And I think James is right. I, I'm glad you put attention on it. And I think you've talked about it in your, your recent documentary on Silicon Valley. We do have like this, this victim type thing where just like, what are we going to do if YouTube censors us? It's like, well, F YouTube. Let's, 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 you know, let's start our own website. Let's start our, let's do other stuff. Like let's not pretend that we don't have other options because we do. So I think that's a really important uh, thing to end on. You guys. Um, I just want to say that I love these conversations. I love these swap casts that we do. They're, uh, I think they're important. I love when we bring all the tribes together and you know, it's like last night, Myself, Eddie Bravo, we did a tinfoil hat in Santa Cruz and 400 people came and bought tickets to our show. And to me, that's a sign that amazing things are happening. And we're talking anywhere from 19-year-old college girls to a 65, 70-year-old man who says he's going to go to Burning Man for the first time, you know. And it's just like more people are coming to us and more people are open-minded to what we're saying. And... I think it's blood in the water. I don't think they can control it all, no matter how hard they try. Like, the internet got away from them. And I love what we're doing. I love these conversations. Sorry if I got a little dirty. I, I'm just a sailor at heart. But I just want to say that you are I... I mean, yeah. you are a comedian. I mean, so it's... But I love these conversations. I respect both of you guys so much. And these are so much fun. And uh, anytime I can be a part of it, I'll come running because... I just love hearing both your point, both your perspectives, and I love both your work so much. And uh, hey, man, I think when you cut yourself off from Twitter and you cut yourself off from, you know, it's like I block anybody on these social medias that come at me with some poison. And it's amazing how much more uh, healthy my life is. They they try to make me feel bad because I, you know, oh, you're blocking people. You're such a wuss. And it's like, no, I just don't need it. I put out free content because I'm passionate about it and I don't need you coming crapping on my art, man. So I cut it off and it's amazing how I don't miss any of it. Don't miss any of the drama and I enjoy it. And as much as my mom or my girlfriend hate my podcast, I've never been happier. I've never enjoyed it more. And I feel like we as a whole, maybe not, we don't bat a thousand, but we're batting 900 and on these things that we've been telling people about, and it's amazing how many people go, you were telling us this a long time ago. And for that, I am blessed. So thank you, guys. Hey, batting 900 is goat level, you know, greatest of that's all time. That's beyond so, goat, though. Yeah. So there you go. So I'll, I'll take it if, if that's where we're at. Um, I just want to end just uh, by reiterating that the point is not to absolve ourselves of our own responsibility in all this that's happening. Um, we have a part to play in this, and our part is not just to whine or complain or hope that someone will be elected that will solve all our problems. The point is to take the steps that are, we know are necessary 
to detach ourselves from the controlled platforms and to use the internet the way that it can still be used, at least for the time being. We don't have to do the thumbprints and everything yet. So let's continue to use this um, in the way that we can, while we can, to get real information out there to other people and uh, not just take the victim mentality. So that's the point I want to leave it on. Uh, let's direct people to your websites. SamTripoli.com, TinfoilHatPod.com, and Sam Tripoli across all uh, social media. And uh, yeah, man, check out dates. Hopefully we're coming to a city near you, and I hope you enjoy it. And again, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah. Okay, I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and I'll let Ricky wrap it up since it's technically his. Yeah, that's my fault about that. Yeah, we'll uh, do better next time. <laughs> uh, the Ripple Effect Podcast.com, RV36 on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, everything else. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is really important because we're all different backgrounds, different perspectives. And I think we're using the internet for what I was always curious is being able to hear different perspectives. And we're showing this is how you get people together, have a discussion without arguing or picking teams and just... You know, I think people need to hear these type of discussions because I think, like we talked about so many times, people pick a team and you're just, there is no more civil debate. There's no more civil people having discussions about stuff. And, I, and I, that's what I love about about these discussions is mostly because of that, because people can see like, oh, people can actually come together, talk without arguing, without pointing fingers, without demonizing somebody and, and being open to other ideas. And we're all open to challenging ideas but also having our ideas challenged and i think that's super important because if we only talk to people we agree with you don't learn anything you you learn by talking to people you know that have different perspectives so okay guys got to run thanks, thanks guys thank you guys been a, a pleasure until next time my friends take, right, care. take care take care